may all beings be happy. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free from harm. May all beings love life. May all beings awaken. Welcome to another Cuke Audio podcast. I'm D.C. Puba of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives, preserving the legacy of Shunryu Suzuki and those whose paths crossed his. And anything else that comes to mind, I pray that you and yours are safe and comfortable, able to get out and do whatever it is you want within the limitations of the universal precept of do as little harm as possible. So today we have a guest, um, Peter Vandersteer. And Peter uh, has uh, been practicing Zen uh, at the San Francisco Zen Center and on his own and with his own group for hmm, quite some time now. Uh, you'll hear all about it in his uh, podcast. He's a contractor. He, uh, he did the renovation of the Gringo Zendo. And uh, he's got a group in, I think, in Boise. His, his main one's in San Francisco. But now they're, they're pretty much sticking with Zoom. Uh, and it's called, I think it's called the Oak Street Zendo. Let me check. That's right. The Oak Street Zendo. So um, it's got a website, oakstreetzendo.org, I imagine. Um, and... Um, but uh, it would just it would just have like that bare in a minimum information he told me. Um, hey, there's a neat thing about him. His parents went to Reed College. Now that might not mean anything to most of you, but Reed College is where Gary Snyder went and Philip Whalen and many many people from the San Francisco Zen Center. Many people who became Zen students and. Many calligraphers, uh, Steve Jobs went there, and that's why we uh, initially, anyway, had all the fonts we had, because uh, he studied calligraphy there. Okay, well, that's enough. Let's uh, give Peter a call right after we've had our pause to meditate, and uh, let's see what he has to say. So when you hear the sound of the bell, uh, if you're of such a mind, uh, hit pause and meditate or whatever for as long as you wish, and when you're through... Ready to come back, hit unpause, we'll hit the bell to end the meditation, and we'll uh, get going with Peter Vandersteer. Hey, David, can you hear me? Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Well, how's <laughs> the weather in Bali? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything's fine here. Had a little earthquake recently. How's it going? Uh, <laughs> how's it going there? Well, you know, San Francisco just, you know, goes on and on. And, you know, we, uh, generally speaking, cycle between 60 and 70 degrees. And, uh it's part, part, partly sunny today. The water's warm. One of my things these days is swimming in the bay. So mm -hmm. 50 degrees is kind of terrific. 
Hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I'm a city guy. I, I, you know, grew up in cities. I still think they're normal. And uh, so it's uh, it's box from Zen Center. And so, oh, uh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So I'm usually around the neighborhood and I don't spend a lot of time there, but uh, there's a number of places in town that I'm almost always going to be seen in any given week, whether it's a dolphin club or a couple of cafes that I like or some new parts of town. So there's always something going on. There's a rather, uh, you know, there's some great museums around and they've been to um, a terrific Diego Rivera um, show at the Museum of Modern Art and uh, mm. Mm. just on and on, you know, just taking taking things easy. And when I need to get out of town, you know, going up to Mount Tam for a, for a hike, you know, that's about an hour from here. So I drive to, to Stinson and then walk up to Pantol Station or some such place. Oh, it's yeah. It's enough workout, yeah. you know, to, to satisfy, and it's a gorgeous country. Yeah. So yeah. life is good. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, what's the name of your group? Uh, I didn't really want to, you know, get into a, you know, sort of temple names, uh, so I called um, my first place Oak Street Zendo. Yeah. And the other one up in Boise is the Seventh Street Zendo. Hey, that's cool. Boise is yeah. in Boise, Idaho. That's right. Ah. Yeah, I've had a, I've had a friend since my days in New Mexico. You know, I lived in New Mexico. That was the last hop before I came to Zen Center in 1971, 72. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've stayed in touch, and he's in Boise, and I went up. You know, I would go up there over the last ten or fifteen years, maybe even more, to visit and enjoy the scenery there. And um, when my place, uh, you know, I had a place with Mimi, yeah. my first and only, in the Castro, and uh, when she finally was ready to make the move, she bought a place in the East Bay. Mm. Uh, we. You know, we sold the place, and with that money, I bought a, I bought a, a a building that looks kind of like a big house, but is actually an apartment, an apartment building that was originally a Basque boarding house. Sheep oh, neat! Would come into town in the winter when they couldn't run their sheep, and they live in these, you know, these places that have, you know, kind of like two room whatever they you'd call them, two room two 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 room units with the with the toilet down the hall and. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's a great old place, and I love to fix up buildings. So we put a, we rebuilt the the attic level, put a zendo up there, and connected it to my place on the second floor. So it's it's really you know super comfortable. I haven't been up there in a year, but my younger son, uh, we called him Sam for years, uh, but he's now I think he's, he he's using his given first name, which is Jan, huh. uh, and he's living he's living up there. Uh, finished up his engineering degree and has got himself a you know a great job and thriving. So we're happy for him. Is is your uh, uh, so all right now? So you've got the Fifth Street, no, the Oak Street Zendo and the Seventh Street Zendo. Right. Um, is there a name? Pardon me. Is there a name? For the umbrella 
group for the whole thing? We don't. We don't. You know, we don't. We don't. Uh, we don't have another name. Uh, you know, if if you look at any of my correspondent, you'll see Oak Street Zen or dot org or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Give me the website. Give me the website. And that, that web page. You know, that web page will give you some idea, a little bit of an idea of what we're up to. Yeah, and and the the, the web page address is Oak Street Zendo dot org, I believe. Let's yeah, see. yeah, it's www.oakstreetzendo.org. Yeah, yeah. Um, where were you in New Mexico? I was living on the Zuni Reservation. Oh, I know where that is. Wow! It, yeah, just south of, just south of Gallup. You yeah, know, it's about a half an hour, forty minutes south of Gallup. Uh, I had some good friends there. Actually, my sister has been living in in New Mexico most of her life. She was a hero for me in the in in those days and continues to be. But anyway, in visiting with her, she some of her contacts were she knew some people who were teachers in Zuni. Hmm. Um, and, and, uh, they had a, they had some friends, uh, in the Zuni world. And so when I decided that I was looking for a place out in the high desert, they say, well, you can go live there. And it's a little town South of the capital, about, I don't know, 15 minutes or whatever called Ojo Caliente and a one room Adobe, uh, lived there for about half a year. It's called Ojo Caliente? Ojo Caliente, hot hot spring or hot eye. Yeah, well, there's one of them in northern New Mexico. I've been to it yeah, a number of hot, times. That's a, that's a you know that's a, a common name for a hot spring. Uh huh. It was really nice place. It was great. It had like five different types of water. You go out of Taos. It was about. I don't know, maybe an hour from Taos. Really great place. Well, that's interesting. Oh, God. You, you, do you remember Ra- Rama? Rama, New Mexico? Rama? Rama is an old, uh, Rama is an old, uh, it's got uh, some great old buildings, and it, it was originally a, a Mormon kind of a, a stronghold. It, it's know, completely Mormon. Yeah. And, uh, and so they were, you know, they were just operating out of there. Those old stone buildings, you know, I, mean, I always notice the buildings in the, in the, in the worlds that I circle through. And, uh, yeah, Rima's cool and sort of, it's not in a direct line, but it's sort of, a, you can kind of, you can kind of loop through there on your way to Zuni if you're going south from Gallup. I spent the night there because I had all these abalone shells. And I couldn't sell them or tra- I couldn't trade them directly to Indians. It was against the law. And there was uh, a guy in Santa Fe turned me on to a, a guy in Rama who uh, traded all these blankets, Mexican blankets, to me for that. Ab- I had hundreds of, of the type of abalone shells they liked to make jewelry with. And... Um, right. Uh, so I just remember that. And he said he was the only non-Mormon in town. And he said, but they treated him like a Mormon. He said he, he couldn't pay for anything, you know, if he needed yeah. Yeah. plumbing or electrical or work or anything. That's great. Well, I, uh, I had a great time in Zuni. Mostly I was by myself. Uh-huh. And I had good friends that would visit from time to time. And the family that I was, I, eventually I, I thought it was only, fit, you know, appropriate to pay rent they didn't want rent but that was fine and um 
the deal was actually they still thought it was theirs. And so the, the, the women and the kids would come out in the summertime and, and farm. So here I am, I'm on my place and all of a sudden, you know, it what feels like two or three families and, and who knows how many kids show up. And so I'm right in the middle of the Zuni world and you could never arrange this, you know, but it was, it was great fun. And the, and the, and the, and the kids, the kids used to like to tell me dirty jokes in Zuni, the girls. They thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> so I, I had no idea exactly what they were saying, but you could sort of see what was happening. Well, there's, there's, um, Zuni is supposed to have uh, the language cognates with what? Japanese, Chinese. Uh, there's all sorts of weird things about Zuni. They're, uh, are anthropologically, they're, they're very different from most Indians. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. And even though they call them Pueblos, peoples, uh, you know, they're, they're certainly not Hopi. They have their own real deep traditions and religious cycle. And every year, uh, some families are somehow or other chosen, various tribal families are chosen to do what they call a shalico house. And my the family that I was connected to was doing one the year that I was there. And they hired me. They hired me. I said, I'd be happy to help. And they said, well, what we need is an electrician. Well, I'm not an electrician, but, you know, as, as, my, as was my habit in those years, of course, I'm perfectly willing to try. <laughs> and uh, so I got involved in building the Shalico House, which was, which was really kind of great. I mean, it was in town. And so I got a chance to just sort of mix it up. And one of the kind of a more amazing sites uh, I saw while I was working there one day, um, they have, you know, these sort of, uh, what would be called... Anyway, they're really rough wood kind of slab uh, that, that sort of slammed together into a kind of a little corral. And there were a couple of pigs in it. And I'm just, you know, sort of watching the goings on here. And the, about a, like a 12 year old kid with a rifle goes up to the corral and a pig stands up on his hind legs to see what was going on. And he shoots the pig. And within uh, like a minute, some uh, horde of women descend and, and uh, pull this pig out of the corral put them out on, on uh, pallets and then start, um, how should I say, dumping boiling water over them and scraping down the hide and, you know, you know, bleeding them out and everything. So that, you know, late afternoon we had some part of that pig. I wasn't that hungry, but still a very fast transformation. Hmm. Wow. 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 So when I first came to Benson, everybody thought I was in New Mexico because that's all I could talk about. Uh, uh oh, uh, where where are you from originally? Well, I actually was born in San Francisco. My folks, my folks came down here just before the bridge. They were they met in at Reed in in Portland. No kidding, your parents went to Reed. Yeah, yeah. Wow. My grandfather actually worked for Reed. He was their financial guy. Wow, I've got a whole page on Cuke dot com about Reed. All the Zen Center people there. Came from Reed and Zen friends, and uh, did did uh, you ever have any involvement with Reed? No, not really. I visited one time, and uh, no, not uh, not much contact. I actually haven't been to Portland that much. Been up there a few times, but uh, that part of it was just sort of part of my my family legacy. But um, uh, now they're. There are lots of I have lots of family connections up in the Pacific Northwest on the mother's side of the family. Mm. Uh, 
that uh, her brother was a big-time politician involved in public and private water power. And my first house I built up there on Whidbey Island. Oh, Whidbey, far out, yeah. During the, during the time, it was the same year, year or summer or whatever that Shoboan was getting put together. Uh, and, in Nevada uh, City, Richard Banker's place. Yeah, and and Richard was trying to get me into working on that, and I said, no, I have other plans. So I went up to Whidbey and did that instead, which was just fine by me. Ha, huh, far out, far out. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people worked on that. Uh, Whidbey, uh, I've been there a few times. Um, uh, Shoto Harada, the the teacher, the Rinzai yeah. teacher I studied with in uh, Okayama in Japan, they have a place there. Uh, huh. Is Priscilla there? Huh? Priscilla? You know Priscilla? Yeah. yeah. Far yeah out. I met her through another family of good, good, you know, good friends up in Seattle. Uh, you know the the uh, what's it called? The um, it's not Pioneer Square, but it is. I'm um, not. I'm not good at that. I can't remember names. Yeah. I, I, anyway, the the, the big. Um, sort of mercantile center on the wharf. Yeah. It's an old, I began if I can think of the name of it. Uh, anyway, that architect that were, that I was good, good, good friends with his family. Anyway, he was the guy responsible for saving it from the developers. So, Oh we're yeah. For us. Hmm. Yeah. It's a great <laughs> area. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Now in Idaho, uh, Layla, uh, was going to Idaho, uh, right? Right. She had yeah, a group yeah, yeah. She, there. Yeah. Uh, she's got a she's got a group in Montana. Montana. Uh, oh, I'm on. And uh, she's got a number of uh, you know people that know and really like her in Boise, and she has stopped there and done retreats there, or they've gone out to her place. Uh, I've got a couple of old old guys. In, they're older, they're younger than me, but anyway, uh, <laughs> in, uh, in in Boise. And uh, Layla actually came to visit. I wasn't there at the time, but she stayed at my place because I was more than happy to, you know, host her. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I heard, you know, that she is somewhat stable, but definitely, is, you know, got, got kicked around quite a bit by the chemo or the whatever. Yeah. Whatever yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know. Uh, I'm I'm following her condition uh, and I'm, I'm, I, I do get that impression and, uh, I'm just watching and waiting. Uh, yeah. um, hmm. but, uh, she and Jim were, God, they were down to Yosemite or something just now. So recently, yeah, okay. yeah. Like now or, okay. or well, that's cool. a week that's ago cool. or a month ago or so I, I, I lose track. Huh? Now, so uh, your Zendo upstairs, your your son is living in it. Uh, do, do do you all do uh, Zoom uh, sittings? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Zoom is what it really created. You know, Oak and Seventh Street Zen. Uh, it, it, since COVID, you know, we usually have better part of a dozen folks on any given morning. We sit six mornings a week. Oh, and two evenings. And uh, I couldn't I couldn't be more grateful. I mean, to me, it's been just a complete blessing and unexpected because when I started out here at Oak Street, I mean, I was like very excited to see two or three people, you know, show up and sit with me. Yeah. Uh, 
but uh, <laughs> in person is one thing, but you know, Zoom is quite easy. And so we have a pretty diverse group of people, some on the East Coast um, and uh, one in uh, Albuquerque who uh, um, uh, really delighted by, and then two up in Portland uh, ah. who I'd love to tell you about because um, I like them tremendously and they're actually going to do, we're going to do a transmission mm. uh, in the new year. So we're working on that. Oh, and, tell me, uh, tell me. I, I never, I never expected to be doing this, David. I mean, I, I, I have always felt connected and I've always felt, you know, like I've been coming and going, but, um, you know, Norman was really the person who was responsible, not for, I guess you could say bringing me back in, but it all happened, you know, in the late, uh, you know, before the two thousands began, Ken and I, Ken Sawyer and I were doing the, the renovation of the Gringotts, uh, Zendo. Right. And I was really, you know, it was a great job and uh, a great fun to do. Big and, job, too. Uh, Norman, Nor- Norman was, uh, I think, at Abbott there at the time. That's right. I didn't have much contact with him other than I knew he was doing Sashin's. And so, you know, I dropped into a few and then, you know, I just began to hang around. And every day, it was really fun to watch every day unfold. You know, it was it's kind of terrific. I, You know, Ken Sawyer was going to be the first Chousseau for every day in the Bay Area. Yeah. And then because Betsy is Betsy, Elizabeth, um, and she and Norman were coming, you know, um, uh, clashing a bit. And I think there was some some idea that uh, Elizabeth thought maybe she should be the first Chousseau, but Norman didn't see it that way. So I think out of loyalty, Ken had a withdrawal or something like that. And I was sort of next in line. So it was great fun. Mm. And, uh, you know, every day is thriving in many ways. But now it just feels like kind of a generational shift. And I don't I, I'm not around because I've got plenty to do with whatever I've got in front of me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Norman uh, has. Wow. He's been so many people have uh, related to him in ways that invigorated their practice. Um um, I can't keep up with it. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty impressive. Um, yeah, it's hmm. wonderful to see. It's wonderful to see. I haven't been to, actually, I, I went up to Red Cedar Zen, whatever, one time when John Bales with issue so, but in general, I don't get around that much. Yeah. I did go to Mexico at, for one of his winter things, and oh, that was yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I mean, he's got three or four places that he makes the rounds in every year. And so, uh, you know, a lot of people are counting on him to show up and, and you know, keep keep uh, the endless road open, which he has done uh, masterfully. Mm, yeah. But uh, but uh, giving you a little history, if you're interested. Um, yeah, sure. You know, I, I, my first contact with, with uh, Zen Center was in 1968. Oh, let's and, hear uh, yeah, you you remember Larry Hansen, of course. And uh, he and Lori got married at Sokoji, and I was there. Hmm. And uh, of course, to me, it was just like weird. Uh, but the <laughs> one thing that stayed with me is I'd never seen anybody walk the way Suzuki walked. It was just like, hmm, this is interesting. Hmm. And so I thought, well, that's all kind of wonderful. And then I promptly forgot all about it. 
and then traveled for four years. And then I came back in 1972, just within actually a friend in New Mexico, uh, in a sense, one of the, the families that was sort of sponsoring me. They gave me work and put me up and would feed me from time to time. Um, gave me a copy of Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, and, you know, spending a couple of weeks with that book, and it he sounds like he's talking from inside of me. I had to, you know, go check it out. Yeah. So I, I showed up and um, promptly, you know, got enmeshed in the Tar Baby of Zen Center. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, 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 did you go to the city center first? Yeah, I showed up at the city center. Isan opens the door. And uh, we're off and running. Ah. Yeah. Ah. So I spent most of the time, you know, up until we went down to Tassajara, uh, you know, in the city, at the city center. Although I did bounce out to Green Gulch and Robert Lytle and I, I think, were the first guest students at Green Gulch. And uh, I don't remember too much about it other than living in the Zendo. And maybe you were working on sanding the floor at that point. Uh, and, uh, I I did help. Um, what's his name? Who he 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 died like ten years ago or something. Uh, the guy who who there was one guy who in charge. Of, John Scott. No. God. Uh, and uh, oh, what a job! I mean that Zendo floor. Oh, that, that floor was. That was a you know it was a it was a, a, a steer barn so that floor was pretty pretty rough to put it mildly. Oh yeah, it was like great, great. three by eights or something. Uh, yeah, I, I don't well, know well, what the, the depth of those uh, of those, uh, of those timbers must have been at least a foot. Oh yeah, okay, okay. And, on edge, and maybe there were a, a nominal three 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 wide and maybe a you know twelve twelve deep. And and the, uh, the the they were uneven, so there would be some like an inch higher. Uh, so the the first uh, the first thing uh, I, I might remember his name. The first thing uh, he did was uh, use an adz, you know, which is like an axe, except the blade is coming toward you. And he went around, and I did a lot of adzing with him. There might have been more than one. And then, uh, I guess I was work later, yeah. And then uh, after that, he got this industrial power sander that had uh, uh, sandpaper uh, with a number of uh, two and three. Right, they they right, had like right. pebbles on the bottom. Right, I know what you mean. I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah, never yeah. seen anything like it. And then just kept going down, kept going over it. I worked on it some. Uh, right. uh, I could probably find his name and right. uh, stick it in here uh, because right. uh, there's stuff on him on cuke.com and and uh, I was I remember when he died, uh, um, and you you helped me on the the uh, the bullpen up there. Ken and I were uh, remodeling the. Remodeling, we we took the bullpens up the Spring Valley up there at the 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 end before it goes up into the hills, and uh, made the bullpens into two housing units: one for him and Elizabeth, and one for Diane and me. And we had right. babies, and that was terrific. And and you worked on that with me, and you were good, man. Uh, well, I, I 
you know, uh, there's a whole lot of things. One of the things that I'm really uh, amazed by is how much I've forgotten mm-hmm. and how, well, you know, I remember all kinds of things and I also forgotten all kinds of things, but the number of things that I missed, the kind of, you know, the number of things that were going on sort of uh, all around me, which I had, you know, I had no clue about, which is, you know, fine. This is life, but it's just amazing. All the worlds within worlds that were there and that we shared and, uh, uh, it's been a, it's been really an intriguing and kind of pleasing adventure to sort of re, review with the folks, not just the uproars and such, but you know some of the real fine grain stuff, or things that I come to appreciate. I gave a talk at Page Street, the only one I think I ever did, um, quite a few years ago now, five or six years. But one of my favorite stories uh, was uh, I told about a picture of Jerome that's in what we used to call the art room. The and, art room. And, you mean that little room on the, uh, just past the office on the left? That, that's right. Uh-huh. That's right. A lounge of some sort. But at any yeah. rate, there's a picture of Jerome. And not exactly a little altar, but, you know, there's a, a number of, of some of the, the old sages there. And then under, under Jerome's picture is a statement by him, which he says, the trouble with Buddhism or Buddhist practice is, it's invisible, which is a great statement. Yeah, Jerome was—he—he he was a gem uh, uh, that wrapped in uh, roughness that uh, many many people did not see or appreciate his wisdom and uniqueness. And what an amazing person! It is. It's true. And, yeah. you know, I I didn't wake up to Jerome until years later. And so, yeah. you know, that's just my loss. But glad I eventually yeah. had, the, had the sense to, you know, uh, which is, you know, true of many, many things about practice. And, um, you know, from the time that I was at Zen Center, which is basically 72 to 84, but I was, you know, my center of gravity was shifting uh, already outside of uh, uh, Zen Center. I think my last how should I say, station may have been at Gringotts. I'm not exactly sure, but I was already doing private uh, carpentry gigs in Muir Beach, I remember, for a period of time. Uh-huh. But then in in 84, I started, I, I kind of returned to the marketplace. I knew I was going to, I think I was married by that time. I, I, yeah, I'm sure I was. And and uh, I knew I was going to have to, you know, make some money and, and, uh, and so on. So, I, I started up a building business, and I did that pretty much until... What year? What year was that? 85, 85 to 2015. So that's, what, mm-hmm. 30 years? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, wow. Um, and where were you living? You were living in the city, though, because you uh, had that place. Pretty early on, uh, you know, we bought the place in the Castro on Ford Street. And so Mimi and I uh, were there with the guys uh, until, I guess, around 90, 90, I, I can't remember where, when, when we separated, but we were together, I think, for 14 years. Um, and um, then by that time, I was doing both construction and I was doing 12-step work. Uh, come from a long line of alcoholics, so that was uh, both a, a comfort and a revelation. Oh, that's good. And then, 
That's good. I'm surrounded by 12-step stuff here. <laughs> yeah, well, it is, you know, in it specifically, I think in terms of, you know, Buddhist practice, it's a tremendous compliment because, you know, yeah. Buddhism is, gets you, gets you uh, a kind of a sense of, of continuity and, and, and community and 12-step um, gets you, in case you weren't, uh, much more connected to your emotional, uh, how should I say, dystopia and yeah. uh, everything that goes with it. And uh, I, I am for, forever grateful and, you know, maintain a fair number of connections with some of the folks from that world that are also we have in common, like Laura Burgess and mm. Tim Wicks, you know. Mm. I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware of that when I was around since. And I, I didn't quit drinking until uh, 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, uh, my mate could drink it. We got married here, uh, had a long relationship with that. And so I just stopped drinking when we got together and there were reasons. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, um, all our, not all, but almost all our friends here come out of uh, meetings and 12-step and all that, tennis partners and all sorts of stuff. And mm-hmm. we're involved with the treatment center here. Anyway, yeah. um, that's very interesting to know. Uh, yeah, I can't talk about it much because it's anonymous and you know, there's a lot of people don't want to. Uh, no, that's fine. Uh, that's fine. No. You know, people that, have, people that have spent time in those meetings are, are almost invariably extraordinarily grateful. Yeah. For those, you know, those, those times and those, that community and those opportunities. And so it just going on and on. I don't, I'm not actively practicing 12 step these days uh, or going to meetings, particularly because I don't feel any particular uh, need to. Uh, but uh, um, for my son these days, uh, he's going into uh, an extraordinarily rough patch. My older, my older son, you know, he's been dancing. Mm. ballet for the last 25 years oh. he wanted he knew he knew at the age of 10 or 11 what he wanted to do and pursued this passion ah. and got to, got to be a rock star dancer went to new york city and studied with the new york city ballet and and were was in that company for eh, five or six years i think wow pretty impressive but then he cra- he crashed out of there he got injured uh, is the story he tells i'm not exactly sure of, of all these particulars, but he was uh, injured and then misdiagnosed and then self-medicating and clubbing to kind of try to tough his way through it. And then even though he was continuing to participate and seemed like he was performing on a pretty high level, I was expecting him to be performing in Europe and was going to go out there and try to catch up with him. Um, uh, the next thing I knew, he was at the home of a friend in Palo Alto and not making any sense. Whatever he was saying was just, uh, nothing other, other than just sort of confusing and alarming. Uh-huh. So now I've experienced got, that. I had a, a we, we had a, a, a number of years of that. But go on. <laughs> so right now, uh, within this past six month period, his career as a dancer has come to an end. Uh, he's always had, you know, pretty high, high value as a performer. You know, he knows what to do and he looks like he belongs up there. But um, as the end of his career has approached and as his 
his addictions, you know, flurring and his anxiety level is uh, raging along with his anger and everything else. Um, he, his deficits began to outweigh what he could offer in the company here in San Francisco, which he's been with for the last two years, let him go. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he knew he was coming to the end anyway, but this was a, you know, a sudden stop. And now he's going to have to reinvent himself. Whereas earlier when he crashed out of the New York city ballet, he had the motivation of getting back to dance. And so with talk therapy and, a, and a, some bipolar meds, he was able to, Mm. He was able to, you know, sort of get back in on track and become a pretty high functioning dancer. But his affinity for, you know, addictive behavior has always been a, an element. Um, but now it seems to be dominant and we'll see whether he can make well, the uh, yeah. rather I, I hope that you know. works out. Uh, yeah, I've seen people go both ways. Uh, yeah, I yeah. Only thing I know is it's gonna it's not gonna be any quick resolution. It's gonna go on. Yeah. So I'm 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 being prepared for that and my younger son who is somebody who's always impressed me quite a bit. He he's started out as you know, quite dyslexic. I remember trying to teach him what the, we used to call math facts or multiplication tables. Uh uh-huh. he could not do that. He just he could not recall that information. Oh. And that's an and, unusual type of dyslexia with, well, with math. Know, it, wow. Uh, yeah, I would say whether it's unusual or not, anyway, it was quite pronounced. And he, he went he went around in some extra, he did some extra rounds of various kind of supportive schooling and stuff. And then he went on to college and he, with each year, he continued to perform better and better. And the thing that I think really distinguishes him, at least in my mind, is that he's always been willing to work at things he was not particularly good at. Oh. Which is the kind of you got to admire in people. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's interesting. So he's, now, he's now finishing up, uh, finished up his engineering credential and is doing some pretty creative stuff up in Boise. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, so Boise. Happy for him. Ah. Uh, yeah, he's uh, living in my place and enjoying enjoying the, uh, you know, I mean, it's hot up there in the summertime. It's cold in the winter, gorgeous countryside. And uh, so really, it's got a wonderful small town feel, very friendly. Mm. You go into a a cafe there and people talk between the the tables. It's just like, this is normal, you know. I mean, Mm. doesn't everybody? Mm. So that feels great. Mm. Mm. So I've been over to Coeur (laughs) d'Alene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because, you know, uh, Kelly lives in uh, uh, Spokane. Okay. So when I'd go up there to see him, uh, sometimes we'd get into Idaho. Uh, and he has, yeah, a lot of relations there. Ah. Um, so, um, you know, so you, you, you were at Zen Center there and at the city center and at Green Gulch. So how did that evolve? How did that develop? Well, um, I never was that comfortable at Green Gulch. And uh, the city center was fine, but, you know, I also got a little claustrophobic. But my most memorable, in some ways the most enduring influence from my time, at least at, yeah, I would say at, at certainly at Page Street, was uh, studying with Oaksan. Ah. Uh. Yeah. I studied tea 
with her. I had uh, Isan as a partner. Oh, that's nice. And, How great. Oh, that was. That was really great. And also Steve Weintraub at another, on another occasion. So quite a range. And just watching her do what she did, no way could I explain anything about what you know tea ceremony is. But I came to appreciate uh, a whole lot of what she is to me. And another bonus that came my way was uh, they offered me the opportunity to be her Anja, so I would go shopping with her. Oh, that's great. That's great. How wonderful. Yeah. I I put her around, and then I watch her perform, because, you know, she's like the mayor's wife, at least, or beyond. (laughs) She has a a kind word for everybody, and, you know, she treats everybody like her kindergarten class, and it's just charming to watch. That's true. That's true. I visited her the year before she died, what, what, was she over 100 then? She was pushing it, definitely pushing it. And if you ever check out the website there for Ork Street, you'll see a picture of our visit with her at Rinso Inn. Uh, we, had, uh, we had a great time. Because, oh, what uh, year? What year? Well, I can't remember exactly, uh, but it was around probably, uh, probably 2011. That's very close. Uh, we were there in... Right after we came here, 2014. Uh, so, uh, yeah, she's pretty old. Uh, 2011, too. Wow. She was pretty spry. She was pretty spry. She was physically, she hadn't begun to be infirm physically. Uh, you know, she was dressed gorgeously. Uh, and uh, we hung out. And she brought with her that, that sort of photo memory book or whatever that the folks at Page Street gave her when she left. Mm, yeah. And so she's going through this thing, and I'm giving her the dish on everybody that I know, and she loved that stuff. And so yeah. we, had, we had a lot. And you could tell it was a, a good occasion because at, a, at some point or other she begins to sing, and we, we knew that uh, Oksana is here, and it's, it's really uh, a good I visited her in, uh, we spent a bunch of time in 94 when I was working on uh, Crooked Cucumber, yeah. and it just finished. I finished uh, Thank You and Okay there, and, and I was doing interviews for Crooked Cucumber. And uh, uh, then in 2003, I was in Japan a couple of weeks, and I went and visited her. And she walked to the train station. I don't know. It's like she walked. Oh, I know. When I left her, it was it was a, a good long walk from the train station to her place. She walked about half the way back with me. And uh, that was very sweet of her. Uh, mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. Uh, well, she used. Yeah, she. Excuse me. She's just an, a very unusual Japanese woman. Uh, yeah. I mean, they yeah. couldn't. You know, I asked them at Rinso Inn because I've been there a number of times. I said, "Well, when when Mitsu comes back from uh, San Francisco, is she going to live here?" Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> she's way too strong and independent, and right, you know, right. to be there. That temple life is pretty, you know. Uh, yeah, and, they like to have to, everything under control. <laughs> sure, plus to Huitsu, she's a mother-in-law, right? Yeah, yeah. That's a hard. That would be hard. Anyway, you know, you can tell she's a force anywhere she goes, and uh, that makes sense. For me, you know, uh, you know, she's got a weakness for guys, and I was very happy. That, you know, <laughs> That's right. She seems, you know, she seemed to, she seemed to, 
favor me a bit. And uh, so occasionally she would invite me to uh, have lunch with her. And, you know, it was it was a great time and just talking was always fun. And then on one particular occasion, uh, you know, I got to into maybe talking about my troubles or this, that or the other. So I'm rattling on for a while. And at a certain point, she says, you know, Peterson, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Which I thought was tremendous. I, thought, <laughs> 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 I felt, you know, that was a very, very generous thing of her to say. Uh, uh, like we were, like we were true buddies. Mm. So uh, that was a that was a great time, and mm. uh, and uh, I've been uh, always felt that I was uniquely uh, fortunate to have that um, uh, time with her and the kind of things that she represented to me uh, from studying tea, which, you know, is just this archaic thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can spend a lot of time wondering about why you're going through these paces that are, you know, very formal and repetitive. And of all the time that I was there, I never even learned to, you know, the half a dozen Japanese phrases that you're supposed to, you know, any person in there just out of politeness would have learned them in a week. But, you know, so that was, <laughs> uh, that was me. Yeah. Um, I only did the guest thing with T. You right. know, that's a that's a role. You know, you can be a guest. And hmm. um, I, I've been a guest with her and with, uh, what was her name? Nakamura-san at Green Gulch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy, yeah. was she, uh, she was yeah, like. She's, a, she's, a, she, she's fierce. She was, yeah, fierce. That's a good word for her. Yeah. I, I, I did a little utai, you know, maybe half a dozen times, Ken and I and a few others with her, but I didn't have much contact other than, you know, just sort of admire her regal way of doing things. Yeah, yeah. She should have stayed at Zen Center. She had a horrible last years in Japan. Her family just took everything from her and stuck her in an old folks' home, right. uh, which is not... Not at all traditional there. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, and she, she, we would have taken care of her. Zen Center would have taken care of her. But anyway. Sure. Uh, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> she was something. <laughs> so now, what, weren't you ordained in some way, lay ordination, priest ordination while you were at? Priest ordination, priest ordination in 1977. By, I was part of that the great leap forward. There were twenty six of us. But by, by Richard Beggar. That's right. Yeah, I I I thought so. You just haven't mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. So all that and uh, you know, I was never uh, I I understood I guess that's a, a word one could use, you know, priest uh, what looked to me like priest practice I interpreted it as a kind of career and mm -hmm. that never quite fit. You know, I was always, um, I was always, uh, much more inclined to appear, to appear in the world as a layperson. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I hear some you. Folks that, that, you know, there's some folks that, that, that just, you know, they put on their, they put on their robes and they look like they're born to do that. 
Uh-huh. But always for me, it, 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 always for me, it, it, it felt or looked a little bit like a costume. Uh-huh. And uh, I can remember actually a dinner that we went to. Uh, uh, you know, Richard had all the priests out for some occasion. I can't remember what. You were there. I remember you taking a pair of chopsticks and eating a fish from the inside out. I was struck by that. Hmm. But at any rate, I found um, <laughs> I found myself um, feeling a little bit uh, un not connected, and I really never had any sense of connection with Richard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, he was just this guy, and he was going along and doing what he was doing. But uh, I remember at um, one of the early um, Shosan ceremonies. Mm-hmm. My question to him was, where did you get that stick that he was holding? And he said, well, you gave it to me. There's, there's some truth to that. Mm. But on the, on the, upon consideration over time, I actually realized that what I had done is I gave that stick to Suzuki and this Richard just showed up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But that's uh-huh. okay. You know, I feel a debt of gratitude to his endless energy and creativity, although I feel like he probably has had a pretty hard life, all things considered. He's doing pretty good now. Is he? Oh, yeah. He's, he's what is he, 86? And his uh, German group is really vibrant. And, uh, yeah, those, those Germans, I, I, he, Germans are good in, have been a good influence on him. Good. Well, I had certainly aspirations at one time or another to go see Banya, but I never, I never made it over there. Yeah, and I don't think. Ah, so I do keep in touch a little bit through Emila. Ah, yeah, and, and, and uh, it's impressive to watch her because, you know, she really has developed into a teacher. Uh, she counsels in a way. She's the person who a lot of the kids in the field projects at Green Gulch, you know, these. Um, uh, people that are studying farming and such, they, they go, go to Emila because she's there and she's somebody that they really appreciate. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've visited Vanya with him a few times there. Uh, well, he took um, Kobun and me to Oktoberfest once. Just on a, We were just sitting there at his home in Luzerne, and he said, he just got on the phone, called his brother, and he said, "Let's go to let's go to Munich, München, right?" And mm-hmm. it was great. We had a great time, and uh, mm-hmm. you know the the whole place is booked up, right? Right. But all of a sudden, each of us have a luxurious room in the King's Hotel with the big garden. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and that's the. That's the life he he wanted, and that's the life he figured out how to live. <laughs> yeah, and it's I was I was um, uh, I was at uh, uh, Johannesov Dick Banker's place, you know, and uh, for four months once I've been there mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. times, and yeah. uh, so I studied German a lot when I was there, uh, and the German's very hard. And uh, but mm-hmm. I I learned enough just to get by to ask for things direction order things say hello and I was at Vanya's place uh, Felsentor uh, way up in the Alps above Lake Luzerne 
And there's a cog train goes up. Everything is so expensive. It's better to walk up there. It's like 20 bucks to go there and back on the cog. But anyway, I sat waiting in that cog train for for somebody. You know, it was waiting there. And the, the man I was sitting next to, he didn't speak any English, but I figured out he was... The, the the German contractor for Vanya Zindo, which uh, Paul Disco was the uh, the American contract. I Designer, think, yeah. Yeah, his son, uh, well, not Gloria's son, uh, uh, you know, Gloria, Michael Gunin, uh, I think, did more of the work. And there were, you know, uh, but it's uh, this unbelievable, uh, authentic Japanese Zendo behind this beautiful old hotel he bought there and it's all a practice center and uh, sure. the hotel uh, Queen Victoria used to stop at and stay in anyway so I'm talking to the guy uh, as best I can and then my my friend who's Swiss uh, joins us and I said uh, Balthasar would, would you check with him I think he just told me that they had 500 helicopter trips to build that Zendo bringing materials up. Mm-hmm. And uh, Balthazar said, yeah, that's what he said. Think of that. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, part of the joy of, uh, you know, living the life that Vanya, uh, how should I say, has been, has been living all along, I guess. You know, I, I, I would, I would get a kick out of, out of, uh, you know, seeing a little bit about uh, uh, what he's up to. And certainly I'm a fan of Coben's and, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> I had no, I had no contact with Coben ever, but I certainly have appreciated all the stories that swirl around his yeah. uh, very life. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Vanya leads, uh, you, you know, actually a pretty admirable life. He spent a tremendous amount of time and money on animal rights, yeah, animal rights, uh, yeah. and had oh, he had these. Uh, Rescue pigs of different sizes and types, and sure, uh, he's sure. done a public. Uh, he did a thing where he, he was in a cage for some period of time. Uh, they were taking him around. Uh, I don't know, probably uh, uh, you know, so the big cities in Switzerland, and it had something to do with animal rights. Uh, and he funded a guy who. The, uh, was getting death threats from pig farmers because they they had cases go all the way to the Supreme Court to improve the lot of pigs. You know they weren't stopping them from being slaughtered; they were stop trying to stop them from being tortured. Uh, That's right. That's you know yeah. s- stuff like that. And he has an, uh, it. You know it, he's had enormous involvement with. Uh, LSD, psychedelics, and right. practice, right. and all this stuff. Yeah, with ecstasy. With Michael Pollan and all that stuff is, is coming into fashion again. Yeah, and, 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 and but he wasn't taking a lot. He thought it could have a role as it had. I mean, he was hardly doing any himself. Uh, it's something I'm not really interested in, but I certainly have uh, know a lot of people who've been involved with like ayahuasca. Yeah. And there's a ton of yeah. stuff happening around there. Mm, all right. Sure. Well, <laughs> with uh, you know, with um, all the you know the hyperactivity and and um, uh, the usual fascination with 
with folks in the in the digital world with anything brilliant and 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 shiny you know there's a lot of people microdosing and getting all excited about that stuff around here but the thing that does interest me is the possibilities of in a therapeutic setting uh people with you know addictions and people with you know pretty substantial emotional challenges having you know some pretty impressive responses to yes definitely you know, some of those so it's treating those things as 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 sacraments and therapeutic and, and therapeutics which i have been for centuries anyway yeah yeah well it it seems that quite the opposite of all the disinformation that came out about psychedelics is that people who've taken psychedelics are better adjusted and happier uh, and their brains have been integrated better by the uh, experience. Uh, I, I decided in 67 that I should not continue that, you know, and, and just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do the Zen trip, <laughs> chop wood, <Yeah>. carry water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I had, I had my, I had my introductions at various points, probably about the same era as you. And then yeah. that was enough, you know, I didn't feel yeah. the need to to uh, do a lot of repetition. Uh, you know, one one taste was enough to get my attention and yeah. set me on the on the road, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, um, I'll tell you a little bit about um, one of the things. One of the interesting things that I have just, in a sense, feel it feels to me like a discovery. Anyway, um, I think it started with Ted Marshall's uh, brain cancer. Mm. And uh, so this is now at least five years ago, but um, I hadn't maintained a connection with Ted. But um, I knew at some point that, you know, he had pretty serious uh, cancer. And so we began to visit and uh, really enjoyed his company. You know, he, (laughs) he has always been a kind of a master of, of uh, pretty direct, warm, warm, sane, um, and open-heartedness, and yeah. so uh, it was. It was you know quite wonderful to spend time with him. And by that time, he wasn't. Um, I don't know. He wasn't. Uh, you know, physically, he could get around okay, and uh, he was doing various kinds of probably pretty avant-garde kinds of treatment they went to cuba to get various things scorpion venom and who knows what also Mm. some electronic cap that he was wearing that supposedly was a a a promising kind of treatment don't know exactly what it was doing but it had actually developed to the point where fda was putting these things in in some kind of testing cycle but anyway they gave him gratis uh the equipment and he was working that but what was really interesting was none of that, but the, the time we spent just spending time with him. And then we decided, well, since we're going to be spending time and it's kind of great, what are we going to do with it? So we decided to study the Lotus Sutra. Mm. And for me, I'd never been able to be interested in, you know, sort of primary source Buddhist stuff. Yeah. Uh, but what I discovered was that in the company of others, you, know, you get three or four people or five or six people as part of a conversation where you're reading you're reading these things together and thinking out loud about what is clear, what isn't, what's confusing, what's what. And it is, the wheels start turning. It is really quite wonderful. So it was kind of an opening there. And uh, so there became a group of at least 
four or five. I can remember Alan Block, myself, Jay Simino, um, and a guy who was, um, in a sense, a disciple, a fan, maybe not, Japanese national with the name of Isan Koyama, who was uh, studied uh, and uh, followed uh, the... Um, um, the guy in in, in L.A. Mayumi Sasaki? My, yeah, I think Mayumi. Mayumi, anyway, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Anyway, he was definitely part of the sort of group that would travel with him and, you know, sort of in there. And then he became, he considered uh, for a period of time and sat with me just because I would, you know, one, I was enjoying his company and he was in town at various points and studying with Norman in a way, but then now he's bounced on over to Shohako Okamura and is, oh, yeah. is definitely, uh, he's, he's more of an academic anyway. But yeah. anyway, he was a, a great ad, adjunct to having this uh, person who's really, uh, you know, super bilingual as part of the conversation as well. So that one went on until right on uh, through uh, Ted's passing and spending time with Ted in his final weeks and days, as it always is, uh, you know, for me, you feel like you've you've been given far more than you've offered. But that's um, that's one of the things that happens. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And so we continue that class and switch on over to doing a number of the things with Red Pines. Ah, uh, yeah. First. And that is, you know, dynamite, really terrific, terrific stuff. The way he he translates um, and the way he presents things um, with multiple, you know, input from other sages of that era and other times. Yeah. Just seems to be a very provocative and, and, and useful way of study. And uh, I've never had much contact with Red Pine, but I've come to be a total fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Them. The way he does things and how he presents himself. You know, I caught a little bit of a seminar he did recently, and the thing he emphasized more than once is, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a meditator. I'm not a, you know, I'm a translator. I tell you what the what, what the language means and everything around it that I know about, which is more than enough. Yeah. Know? So that's great. Yeah. Um, he's he's my contact to Silas Hoadley. What's the latest on Silas? I think he was getting pretty senile, but I don't oh, know yeah. more particularly. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, I've had, I had a conversation with Silas. Through, what I do is I call, uh, Red Pines Bill Porter, right? I call Bill up, and while they're on a walk, and they do that like every Friday or, or Thursday or Friday or, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. They go to a particular place, and so uh, uh, you know my conversation with Silas. That was a few months ago, and then I had one again about maybe January. Uh, mm -hmm. There's, I don't know what he's saying. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's not. Uh, is it Parkinson's or is no? It, uh, just a or do you know? And it's well, you know, dementia is a lot of different things. Alzheimer's it's dementia. A, it, 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 yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. All, all you know is the is what you're dealing with. Um, and um, I'd say in Silas's case, like in Avon's, pretty benign. 
Yvonne's yeah. was extremely benign. Uh, yeah. Because she was a tough cookie. And she became, she was a tough cookie uh, oh, yeah. before she got dementia. I mean, it was very strong and everything. And yeah. that, with the dementia, I mean, and Vaughn and I had a, you know, we, we were close for years. Uh, and, uh, but there was always a lot of, I, I don't know, she's a, a, a powerful woman. And there, in the last years, it was just peace, love, dove. And yeah. There was no, all everything had fallen away that was, uh, you know, uh, the world uh, as we uh, are attached to. And, and she was fairly profound. Um, so I didn't really mourn the loss of the old Yvonne. Uh, it was a nice transition. Uh, yeah, that sounds great. I uh, I very much appreciated uh, the little bit of contact I had with her, but you know it, it wasn't much. Yeah, and so, uh, you know I just I wasn't in that that cycle that that created those particular kind of connections. But I do remember her taking me, you know, out for a ride or something. She was going somewhere or other. I had no idea. Yeah, just because no doubt. I mean, I was at Green Gulch and I probably was looking pretty miserable, and she felt well, you know. So I can just spend some time with this guy. Hmm. So, um, you're, uh, yeah, you're, um, so you, it, I can understand your, your, uh, feelings about having been ordained as a priest. Um, I mean, I got ordained, you know, while Suzuki was dying by him with Ed Brown and Lou Richmond and Angie Brunyan. Uh, uh, but uh, he was too sick to come to it, so Kadiri did it. But you know, we, we visit, visited him before and afterwards. But later, I realized, eventually, that the only reason I did it was it was something to do with him. It was just I had no thoughts at all about any responsibility or career or anything. And, you know, eventually I realized, um, I don't mind wearing robes to the Zendo, but, you know, I don't want any priestly function, really, as far as ceremonies go or yeah. anything. And well, I think that was my, that was my, uh, that was my relationship for the most part until, until, um, you know, I mean, to me, it would seem the most natural thing in the world to do these Zendos. Uh, because I'm interested in seeing the, uh, you know, I didn't really think or imagine or plot that there would be an end point to my relationship with Norman or every day. But at a certain point, there was enough going on at Oak Street and then eventually in Boise so that I didn't really have time and didn't want to spread myself any further. But now that I find that I have, in a sense, a responsibility to sit with people, and I don't tend to do a lot of, uh, you know, practice conversations, uh, but, you know, people are interested. I'm happy to hear what they have to say or whatever. But uh, I just feel very fortunate because I concluded at some point along the way that the thing that really matters more than anything else is just to continue to practice. You know, yeah. just whatever, whatever, uh, I, whatever I might have thought I needed by way of motivation is a non-issue now. Yeah, you know, I'm just I am more than happy to have these people that seem to be interested. Uh, I, I respect them. 
Uh, I am uh, interested in seeing what comes of the conversations. Our MO uh, is really, a, you know, we, we sit at six o'clock every morning of the week except Saturday, sit for half an hour. We have a 15 minute service, and then there's probably 15 or 20 minutes of conversation that can be whatever, you know. We, we may be, uh, I'll ask about, you know, some of the language in the Heart Sutra or, or we're talking about the weather or birds or, you know, the, you know, the, the, the water conditions in Boise or whatever. And it's just, uh, these are people that have sat together now for a couple, two or three years. And, you know, little by little, there's a few new folks that show and, uh, people seem to really value it. So I'm completely, you know, satisfied in that respect. And, you know, a few things, a few responsibilities crop up. Now this is, this transmission thing is going to be a fair amount of work, but it was interesting because when it happened with Norman to me back in 2011, I think, no, that wasn't then it was 2000. What was it? This is 22. Anyway. Um, yeah, I was here so much earlier on. So 2011 was the year that I got transmission from Norman. And that was like a, a res. We were in residence at his place in Mirror Beach for five days, and included, you know, Jay, myself, John Bales, um, um, and um, I'm blanking on it. Um, Chris Wharton, and uh, you know, it was it was it was great, but it was all a blur. Mm -hmm. And now I've had to learn a little bit more about it, which in and of itself wouldn't be that interesting. But um, I'm beginning to feel, in a sense, the good fortune of being part of the lineage of Suzuki. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an interesting thing that I, I don't know if it's in the Laka Vitara or somewhere, but uh, somebody is saying to somebody else, you know, how you understand Buddhism? maybe not so important your lineage that's important hmm. oh interesting and it really is true that you know you know from suzuki to mel to norman there's a style of practice and a simplicity and a straightforwardness that is extremely valuable Mm -hmm. And the more I, the more I'm around it, and the more I see people who haven't had that opportunity, and how they present things. Wow, and yeah, it's just it's really kind of wonderful. So I'm learning a little bit. You know, I was always amazed by various people referring to these people of you know a century or two ago, and, and sort of talking about them in the sense that they're very familiar, or they <laughs> know some some of their story. Well, I don't know them personally, and, I, and whatever story there might be doesn't necessarily interest me all that much, or these koans don't necessarily interest me all that much, although I, I have done some koan classes that turned out to be a little bit of a surprise in a positive way. Mm. But mm. Uh, the sages that I have known, you know, for example, one of the folks that I am going to be transmitting, his name is Kirk Phillips. Mm-hmm. He, he came to San Francisco as a street kid at the age of 15 or 16. He's gay. His parents wanted no part of him. I think he was in one of the Carolinas or something. His old man was a doc. He shows up. He lives on the street. He gets busted and he gets, you know, arrested and 
you know, I mean, he's just out there. And at some point he turns up at Hartford street mm. and be, begins to, uh, well, maybe sit a little bit or, you know, talk to Isan or whatever. And sooner or later in that early relationship, Isan says to him, Oh, you should study nursing. So he goes to school for who knows how long it takes. And he's been a nurse at Kaiser and he's just retired this past year or this year Hmm. and done extraordinary work. And also after Isan passes, he goes and studies with Darlene. And you don't get better better lineage than that. You You just, and so, and he's a, you know, he's a jewel. I mean, he's a magnificent practitioner. He has the usual kinds of struggles and hysterias, but in fact, you know, people love him and for good reason. Uh, and uh, I feel particularly fortunate, you know, it, you know, I had a, I had a rather wonderful time with Darlene for a period. This is during my building phase, but somehow or other, I, I reconnected with her when she was, uh, you know, in training with Mayor Schneider and uh, doing, you know, developing her bodywork practice, probably before she got it into writing so much. Yeah. But, I, you know, I got to know her when she was, in a sense, really coming into her own as a as a practitioner, body practitioner and teacher. And so, you know, here I am, you know, with this, you know, linebacker body and she's working on me, this crippled. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. We should add here that that she had absolutely the worst, most crippling arthritis you can imagine and had had it since she was young. And, 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 you know, she is so from my point of view, just on the surface, without even knowing who she is, she's earned her stripes. But yeah. the real deal is that while she's working on my body, which is all very pleasant indeed, you know, we're giving each other the dish on everybody under the sun. And it's sort of like mind to mind. And, I, you know, I don't I don't remember any conversations that I've ever been involved in that were any better. You know, it was just pure bliss to be with this person who is capable of saying anything, of thinking anything, you know, mm. free freedom of a sort that I had rarely, if ever, encountered in a woman, mm. you know, where, uh, you know, there's a, just a kind of a, a wildness and an honesty that um, is just, you know, mm. sets your head on fire. Yeah. 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 Do you know about her relationship with uh, Nakamura-san? I didn't ever heard that story. Well, they had a... She was very close to Nakamura Sound. She was maybe closer than anybody. Her and Jerry Fuller. Jerry Fuller was yeah. very close. But Darlene had a relationship, too. And Nakamura Sound could be very abusive. I mean, she would. She was uh, more than just being tough and strict. She, she was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And. Um, uh, Darlene uh, was taking her shopping, and she was being, uh, you know, just... A bitch? A bitch, just. And so Darlene uh, took and had the car washed in a, a uh, uh, one of these automatic car washes you go through. Right. And as she's going through, uh, she has automatic windows, she pushes down Nakamura Sensei's window. <laughs> so that this 
proper Japanese woman who always wore kimono and everything has this water just just you know powers powering and right on her and the thing was when they got out darling didn't say anything and i can't remember i've got it somewhere uh uh, uh maybe it's in darling's interview uh uh, uh sensei did not freak out she she sort of uh I can't remember what her response was, but it was impressive. It was it was uh, showing her respect for Darlene. It was amazing. Well, yeah, well, that sounds right. You know, that definitely sounds right. <laughs> well, that's the that's the kind of thing I mean about all these worlds upon worlds of which was uh, were swirling around me, and I knew nothing about them. And uh, I think it's always that. Way. I think it's always that way. But that's you know, right. I just as as. We go along and we've known each other forever that we, you know, you, you, you pick up a little bit of some of the jewels that you were in the midst of. Yeah. It's kind of great. Yeah. Yeah. And you've made a lifetime of that stuff. I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you and I'm delighted that you continue to plow this way. I, I remember, you know, a few times in, in, in Tassajara, uh, that we had, you know, some contact, but it wasn't, you know, it was no big, big deal. And, uh, you know, we each go on to our, you know, unfoldings. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing mm-hmm. that this family way that we have unknowingly committed to and continued to, you know, nurse uh, is, um, is really such a vital part, you know, not just of our lives, that so many people have come to uh, to um, appreciate what he has to say, yeah, and what we what we have to say about you know our appreciation of it, yeah, yeah, the um, yeah the, the there's this sort of community of people that radiate out from Junior Suzuki coming to America, and some of us are. In, like if you can look at Bill Kwong, he's got his world there, and he, he pretty much doesn't have any contact with anybody else. But it's a very important part of of uh, the, the 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 lineage you were talking about. And then there's mm-hmm. Richard Baker's, which has uh, you know he's got his Creststone thing and his German thing. The German thing is much more vibrant, but they're both going and he. He's very happy with his Dharma era, this wonderful young woman. She's great. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, then you have Mel over in Berkeley. Uh, so easygoing and easy to relate to and, you know, not taking himself too seriously or anything. And you got Les K down in Los Altos. Who, uh, again, just a whole other world of, uh, of uh, lineage. And uh, like there and 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 uh, and Brown and uh, they're 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 so different from each other. Mm-hmm. You had a Vaughn, uh, you have uh, you know Layla. You have uh, I loved sitting with Layla when I was in 
Sam Rafael. There were like five different groups I could sit with, and I would go mm-hmm. sit. But every one mm-hmm. of them gave a talk. There was a talk. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. couldn't go to all those talks every week. So I every once in a while I'd hear a talk, but mainly I'd just go sit with them and leave. And I loved Layla's because she didn't give a yeah. talk. She just read something right. for 15 minutes. Right. <laughs> uh, well, but it's, just- it's just so interesting. And then I talked to all these people uh, who were from here and there and all that. And it's amazing how many people are still practicing and sitting. You wouldn't know it. You know, uh, I just hear it over and over. In fact, it's rare not to hear it. Uh, that uh, you can just see the the influence of it, like the waves going out. Anyway. Yeah, no, it's great. And, um, you know, I've been, again, I've been meaning to catch up with Daya. I'd love to go see her. And, uh, you know, I ran into uh, Kelly at Tassajara probably, you know, a decade ago now. But, you know, I've, I've been up until the COVID time going to Tassajara every spring for the work session because that's what I like. Yeah. A lot of work, food, great company, reunions, the whole business. I can't yeah. ask for anything more. Yeah. And I take a bunch of people from every day or from Oak Street and we go down and do what we do. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't been up to Dias Place and I know that she got to Milwaukee the last roundup they had with, uh, I don't know, Soto Zan or somebody. And um, I went to see Bill Kwong, which was great fun. I never knew him much. I mean, I liked the look of him early on. Uh-huh. And I certainly understand why he wasn't going to stick around. But I do think it's unfortunate that he decided to be not connected, uh, sort of with a little emphasis on the not connected, as opposed to just whatever. And... Um, uh, but we had a great time. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, his son, Jose is a, the real deal. He looks wonderful. He's, he's practiced at a Heiji and who knows what that's like, but at any rate, um, he just looks like he's settled in and, you know, very serious, but not too serious, uh, bright and able. Yeah. I mean, he might yeah. be 40 plus, I mean, he might even be 50 by now, but <laughs> to me, he looks that's right. completely able. That's right. Those kids. Those kids. I knew those kids in 66, you know. You're right. Mm. They're in there. Some of them might be going on 60. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't ever know. <laughs> I didn't ever know his kids, but I met Jose and his wife for the first time probably two months ago. We went up there and I gave. Is that I gave right? Bill, I, I had an agenda. I gave Bill a copy of Umbrella Man. <laughs> because I felt like, uh, you know, Mel is, you know, Mel is the true inheritor, I think, of the, of the, of the juice and the, um, uh, the, the, um, the, the spirit that Suzuki really, really, I think, wanted to cultivate in people, which I think has a lot to do with humility and nothing you can actually cultivate. Some people, it occurs to them <laughs> that might be a good thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, um, because Mel had the idea, the more, the better, you know, people want to be transmitted and you're fairly sane and you look like you've been, uh, you know, the ropes and you're willing and you know enough about what you're getting into to, um, understand that it's nothing you can do, uh, alongside of anything else, maybe, 
then I'm all for you. And he, yeah. he you know, he's created tons of possibility for many, many people. Yeah. And I love the book. I love the concept of the book. Did you ever know Max? Max. The guy who funded that book. He was a, he studied with Mel. Oh. He was a, he was a Google guy. I've been I in touch with him. him. I don't know him, but I've been in touch with him because I was in touch with Mel and quite a bit. Uh, I did three okay. podcasts with Mel the last year of his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. In fact, I want to get hold of him. I want to get hold of those people. And uh, uh, I had a great podcast with uh, Liz Horowitz, Mel's widow. Oh, and she and okay. I, she gets hold of me pretty regularly. Yeah. That's good. Mm. That's good. Well, um, I had one great conversation with Mel. I didn't ever have that much contact with him, but when I, I was thinking about uh, transmission, I went to see him a couple times, and he, his MO was. You just you go you take him out to breakfast at his place, the place that he liked to go. <laughs> and so, on one occasion, I said, "You know, Mel, I, I'm not exactly sure about this um, transmission thing because you know, there's some priests, you know, there's some priests that really make me wonder." <laughs> and, and he said, "No, don't worry about that. It doesn't matter one bit." He says, "What matters is." It doesn't matter what kind of priest you think they are. What matters is the kind of priest you think you are. That's right. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I evidently needed to hear that and felt, you know, as, as always, quite grateful. And I did get a chance to run into him at one some Zen Center reunion. There might have been a mountain seat or something. And I got a chance to say, Mel, that was surely the great, the great, uh, no, nothing. I didn't say anything like that. I just said I really appreciated the time with him. Yeah. 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 Indeed. Hmm. Ah, and if you look at some of the people who left, like Angie Brunian was uh, ordained with with uh, Ed and Lou and me, right? She's, she's like, still around. I she's a teacher in the Tibetan tradition yeah, in uh, in uh, Colorado. Okay, I didn't know where she she uh, went from here, but she used to be in my my neighborhood, the Zen Center neighborhood here. She was there and for years. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, and you Decades. know who else I've I've gotten some track of? Um, I haven't seen him in a decade or more, but uh, Van Voorhees. Yeah, do you know where he is? Oaxaca. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, when Mike, Mike, when Mike J used to come to town, he would occasionally, you know, check in with me. Uh, and then I'd see, I'd see Van from time to time at the Dolphin Club. But once he, I think I saw him once in his Tibetan robes, but evidently he wears them all the time now. Who? Who? Van. Oh, I, I thought you... I, yeah. No, I was. I, I referred to Mike J. Mike Jambold. Oh yeah, well, you were talking I, about Mike. I, I didn't know who you yeah. meant. Oh yeah, I, I, uh, I, you know, I, I'm just reminded of those two because they would they would come to town occasionally, but they, they would never stay very long. They were they were always, you know, Mike back to Japan and yeah, who knows where Van was. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I connected with Van. Because uh, a, a close friend of ours was in Oaxaca and. 
ran into him and then started sending us uh, pictures. Hey, you know this guy? And, and that's he's not using the name Van anymore. I can't remember. No, he's got he's got a Tibetan name, all right. Yeah. Right, and uh, yeah, Please. he's down in a beautiful place. So this uh, abruptly ends part one of the podcast with Peter Vandersteer. I've just got a lot happening, and that's long enough. And it's a really long one, and I need to get to bed. And there's a lot of cool stuff happening. Uh, maybe I'll report on it uh, on a special Sunday podcast. So, hey, thanks a lot, Peter. Thanks for the first half of your podcast. <laughs> and uh, this has been a Cuke Audio podcast. I'm DC Puba of Cuke Audio and Cuke Archives. Coming to you from Sleepy Senor with Dog and Pandita, Feline Cuchita, and dear lovely Katrinka. And we're wishing you and yours and all of us a grand awakening. Thank you.